Hello and welcome to a new episode of the MBSE podcast. Today, we will talk about how MBSE is used in the space domain. And well, space is a typical domain of systems engineering, it's, it's rocket science. So um, let's see. And in particular, we will talk about the role of MBSE in the space domain. And of course, we have the perfect guest for it. In the past, Chris Delp from NASA JPL uh, was already our guest to talk about OpenMBE. Um, and this time, the ESA, the European Space Agency, is here. And I'm happy to welcome Niels Fischer from the ESA. And for more details, I will hand over to Niels. <laughs> so hello, everyone. As Tim said, my name is Niels Fischer. I work for the European Space Agency. Uh, more specifically, I work at the Systems Engineering Division of the European Space Research and Technology Center, which is located here in Nordwijk in the Netherlands. So um, this is where I work now. And so my work is uh, circled around model-based systems engineering, of course, uh, doing project support, uh, doing research and development activities, doing trainings within ESA. And before that, uh, I have a long year uh, a long history of MBC. So I was working for Airbus commercial aircraft as an expert for Kevin Cargo Systems for MBC, but many different other projects, many different other fields uh, uh, that are too boring to list them now. Uh, so currently I'm living in the space domain. Yeah, speaking of the space domain, uh, what does it mean? What falls under the space domain? So I, I think of rockets and satellites, and I, I, I don't think, I don't know, you, you tell me. Black holes, galaxies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, Starships. The, domain, <laughs> the, the domain of space is vast as, as space is. So, of course, there's science, um, there's physics, astrophysics, cosmology, uh, what is the universe? Uh, um, what is the science behind it all? Uh, the exploration of space, of course, is very well known. But also, you know, um, when it comes to systems engineering, it's all about how can we create systems that can safely transport us into space? How can we create systems that allow us to explore space and do all kinds of science? So science is unlimited. We have astrobiology, astromedicine, human space flight. So we, we need to find a way of how to transport humans safely into space and back again. Uh, all kinds of robotic missions. We explore our planetary system, but also um, just beyond the border. So there's lots of applications. But also it's about education and research. So there's space education and research. And we also do, um, do work with different industries. So not only uh, realizing scientific missions, maybe missions that are important to many different countries, but there's an emerging sector of private space, you know, with all the space flight, maybe space tourism. And, and a big field is also uh, a field that ESA is approaching now is how do we deal with debris in space? So there's lots of things already circling Earth, as you might know, in different orbits. And so a lot of potential for waste. So how do we deal with that waste in the future? How we deal with the waste that is already in space? So that is also part of the space domain and i'm sure i forgot many different other things but it's a very interesting a very challenging uh domain so uh, yeah that's space well very challenging sounds uh, that's a good field for systems engineering <laughs> um but and space 
the space domain is also yeah, it's it's the source of systems engineering, I guess. Um, also, the the uh, defense domain, space, and yeah. avionic is uh, so. What's special or for space systems engineering? So, what makes it so challenging? Well, there are quite some factors um, for the complexity of space systems engineering, especially when dealing in a multicultural international context. So, as you might know, ESA is a bit different, like from the well-known national organizations like NASA, which are really national organizations. ESA is a is a really European compound of now 22 member states plus associated members. So we are working in a highly diverse environment, culturally speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, the project themselves are quite challenging from a scientific point of view. Um, and then it, we cannot, you know, um, so quality is a big impact factor. Um, if, you, if you plan space missions and you design systems that go into space, there's not really much room for error. I mean, you cannot try it again and again and again. If you have lots of money and people don't care, maybe you can do that. But um, that is also very challenging. So we are talking also about a system of systems, if you will, because it's a set of highly complex subsystems in that compound. So you have operations, ground services, science operations, payload operations. You have the engineering that creates your, your system, um, your launchers, uh, so that gets you into space, your payload into space. Uh, you have different languages, as I said. You have different ways of working, different tools, a distributed global environment, a distributed supply chain, where you get bits and pieces from all kinds of European countries all working together to create a rocket that transports some kind of payload, that transports some scientific, um, or that conveys some scientific um, information or whatever. So that is a really challenging environment. So quality is really um, um, a prime concern here. Uh, and, yeah, but it sounds like there's a high demand for systems engineering. And I know that yeah. uh, there's this uh, NASA systems engineering handbook. It's quite common because it's, you can get it for free <laughs> for everyone. Uh, there's also an ESA systems engineering handbook. Or do you use the NASA systems engineering handbook? Mm. So within ESA, we have the European Cooperation for Space Standardization, which is abbreviated ECSS. And it's a set of standards, but also handbooks and guidelines, which mm -hmm. really cover the process of how we deal with systems engineering. So there's a huge standard on system engineering telling you about the steps, um, the artifacts you need to create along the way, uh, telling you about the different phases. So we have different phases for missions. And, and together with all the guidebook, it forms the foundation of how we do system engineering in Europe, and this is free, mm -hmm. uh, so you can you can have a look. Um, at least it's free within Europe or the European member states. I'm not particularly sure if it's really free to everyone, but I guess it's so. So there's uh, quite a large collection of of guidebooks and standards we use, like like a handbook. Mm -hmm. And can you give us some some insights what what it means if you say challenges in dealing with MBSE at ESA? So what what are you what are you up to? What are the hot topics at the moment regarding MBSE? Is it more SysML related? Is it more simulation related? Uh, I don't know. Well, well, it's all the things. So um, 
Yes, SysML is an important part when we talk about MVSE as a formal language uh, for MVSE. So SysML is, is kind of the standard we use as a language, as a formal description language. Um, when it comes to simulation, uh, of course, we can do it to some degree with SysML and, and uh, some tools allow it, uh, forming executable specifications, if you will. But also we, we combine it with other tools. Um, some, some tools are more appropriate maybe for the kinds of simulations you want to do, maybe some network simulation or some math, some physics. Uh, so that needs to be combined. But I think talking about the systems engineering perspective and the challenges is really most of the times also interoperability. So ESA works with modeling tools, with a modeling methodology and with uh, formal language SysML. But then we have our industrial partners, our science partners, and they might work in a different environment. They might define their own methodologies. So their own way of working with uh, a formal language like SysML, but semantically, maybe they have different meanings to different aspects of your engineering process. So if I talk about a function, maybe my industrial partner has a different notion of what a function is or an interface is. So we really need to bridge that gap between our different partners, the tools that are used. So there's not just one tool, there's a whole set of multiverse of tools being used and we need to be able somehow to understand them all, to read them, to be able to really do reviews, uh, to do exchange. And so a thing that we are also working on is called an ontology. So we really like to form a foundation for this universe of methods and tools and different mm. connecting parties. And so we are working towards a common ontology that defines concepts, valid concepts semantically, and also the relations between those concepts to form a common baseline that we might use to exchange uh, between the different, um, different key elements of our systems engineering and model-based systems engineering process. But is it yeah. an ontology about MBSE or about the space domain? It's about, well, it's mainly about the space domain, but also it mm -hmm. includes aspects of systems engineering. So it includes concepts of system engineering. So in the mm -hmm. ontology, we try to convey also concepts of system engineering, like what is a requirement um, or what mm -hmm. are typical relations between elements. And so there's different so-called universes of discourse so you always need to agree upon the topic you're talking with. And so everyone is on the same page. And this is really what the ontology is all about. It helps you to conserve knowledge, uh, maybe even gain wisdom, uh, mm -hmm. but you know, reconcile all the different components from systems engineering, the tools and the space domain. So it's, it's quite a challenging thing. Is the ontology defined in the model or this paper <laughs> it's defined with with a uh, different modeling language uh, called i think orm object relationship oh don't nail me to that sorry colleagues maybe i got it wrong but there's OPM. an express is it is it opm no, no it's not opm hmm. um uh, i i need to look it up to be honest okay uh, but it's a very expressive language that allows you to define um concepts and the relation between those concepts. And it is a bit better suited than, let's say, for example, SysML uh, in doing so. But it is a comprehensive model that can also be used by computers um, to draw conclusions and, and things like that. Okay. So uh, a computer can really use this model to 
to assist you in your work is not only for, for the understanding for the people, it's really that the machine uses the model to, I don't know, to point out that there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah, so, so imagine you are company A and you work with ESA and ESA is creating a model because we say, ah, let's get rid of our textual specifications uh, because mm -hmm. of well-known reasons. And then we provide a model that has been formed in our context. Uh, so with our meanings and our verbs, uh, verbs and words. And then we exchange it with company A. And company A maybe has a, a slightly different methodology set of steps. They are using a different tool and also different concepts. As I said, maybe a function, they have three types of functions. We have only one type of function. So the ontology then is being used as an underlying concept to reconcile those two worlds and, and connect them so that if I put an exchange item online uh, for review for company A, uh, it makes sure that they will see the concrete meaning in their world, in their context, in their tool sets and their uh, methodology. So it's really a living thing that tries mm -hmm. to bridge the gap between different parties. We have uh, some help from the live chat. Uh, someone oh. who told us it's ORM using the Norma tool. Yes, see, uh, you can always count on your colleagues, right? So, yeah, uh, obviously. ORM, yeah. ORM, okay. Cool. Yeah, um, you told us there are many participating. Uh, yeah, countries in, in ESA. And can you give us some more insights to how collaboration works with uh, all the national, other national institutes, uh, the agencies, and uh, what does it mean for your MBSE practices? Uh, do you work in working groups uh, that have a common understanding or do you use exactly this ORM also to yeah, uh, distribute information and then bring information together between the national agencies. Yeah, so the ORM thing, the ontology is still an ongoing activity, so it's it's mm -hmm. still in the making. Oh, wow, the collaboration is a, is a big thing, uh, but maybe focusing on MBSE, the collaboration is, so we, we form um, advisory groups, we form work groups with the national agencies so we have one for MBC called MB4SE, Model-Based Force Systems Engineering. And so we have uh, important partners from industry uh, and also the national agency inside and ESA. And we meet on a regular basis and we exchange on the hot topics. Um, we try to find solutions to some challenges that might exist. Sorry. And so this is, is part of the MBSE work group, but also there are different working groups for other things, like for this ontology thing, we have another work group called Osmosi, uh, which is dealing specifically with the part of the ontology. And we also try to disseminate knowledge. You know, we, we participate in workshops. We organize our own workshops, our own MBC conference, making some advertisement here. So there's a yearly workshop conference on MBCE in the space industry that you are invited to join. So the next one is a one-day workshop here in the Netherlands uh, in November this year. And mm -hmm. uh, a normal conference is, is taking place next year in May in Bremen in Germany. So you are all welcome to join, of course, and share your knowledge with, oh. with the space community. I was yeah. somewhere in this year, I was in Finkenwerder and at DLR. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, they had a conference, a uh, scientific conference on MBSE. Okay. Yeah. yeah, DLR is one of the partners organizing now, local partners organizing now, the MBSE 2024 conference with us together mm. with OHP, company from Bremen. So there's lots of parallel things, of course, by the national agencies, but this is really where we all meet and, and try to uh, exchange uh, at a practical level on, on hot topics uh, concerning MBSE and space. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting because my employer's headquarters also located in Bremen and uh, OHB is across the street. <laughs> so <laughs> I have to mark that's my really schedule. <laughs> it's really an active city for space, uh, for mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, mm, well, a space mission, I, I assume it's, it's extremely complex. Also, uh, see those systems there. And, and then in addition, you have 22 and more member states working together. So there's there's not this single model. So there's many, many models and many different organizations working together. So how do you handle this with MBSE? Pure magic. <laughs> uh, well, um, it's a challenge, of course. I mean, um, how do we handle it? We approach it uh, the same way we did system engineering all those years. So MBCE is not different from systems engineering as we follow our common practices, our patterns, rules, and, and guidelines, how we do things, our long-standing experience. And sorry, an MBCE model, the way of doing things model-based is just another means of approaching it. So there's a, chain, a challenge, as you say, because we have those different models. We, we need to exchange mm -hmm. on different topics that have a different focus. So maybe some, someone focuses on availability and safety uh, aspects. And I'm focusing on the concept, the feasibility. Um, um, so we follow a, a pattern of faces. We follow a pattern of golden rules. And some of it is still in the making. Uh, so MBSE is part of our digital agenda, uh, agenda 2025. So this is becoming more and more. Um, MBSE is already used in many different projects already within ESA. But it's still growing. So it's, it's not that we only use MBSE for every mission, for every project. Um, so there's still some traditional MB, uh, systems engineering work also. Mm -hmm. um, and challenges remain, but we are working towards, uh, towards a digital future, digital continuity, how we can link all those models. How do we form a single source of truth, maybe an authoritative source of truth that everyone can trust? Um, so some of it is still in the making. Mm -hmm. I remember a consultant who worked for SpaceX, and of course I asked him, how do SpaceX <laughs> uh, does all this cool stuff? And he said, well, of course, they have cool tools, cool methodologies, but the golden rule there is co-locate. So uh, put the engineers yeah. together in a room. Um, and well, you sit in such a room, right? Uh, yes, I'm actually not, not a fake background behind you. It's <laughs> real. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I always look bad in fake backgrounds. So I said I, I can <laughs> go for the real thing. Uh, so I'm sitting here in the concurrent design facility, a very unique uh, place here at Aztec in the Netherlands. I uh, can see just part of it, but it's a big room with lots of equipment, uh, some side rooms, um, and this is all part of the concurrent design 
approach that we are using, especially for the early phases. So if you talk about feasibility studies, early concepts, this is taking place in that room because, as you say, you need lots of collaboration, lots of communication. You need to co-locate. Uh, so we bring together experts of all the different specialities of all the different fields of engineering, maybe propulsion, cost engineering departments, safety, um, mission planning. So they all come together for a series of, of, let's say, collaborative meetings. And in this design facility, we allow for space for controlled chaos, if you will. So there's quite some chaos, some creativity as you go on co-location and work together. And you have really quick iteration steps. We use a specific software now called Comet, which is an open source software, can be used by anybody. And so we have different tools, software tools. We have a, a repository where we store our data. We have facilitators, which are system engineers and, and um, assistance to system engineers. And really uh, um, a team lead that is really like an orchestrator, like an orchestra. Um, he, he or she leads of the sessions and, and tries to find a quick way uh, to, to come up with some early feasibility solutions. And so co-location is key to that. Of course, in Corona times, we also did it remotely, but the best thing is really to come together, iterate uh, quickly and come up with uh, wonderful solutions. So basically this place here is a birthplace for many, many ESA projects. So it has seen many, many of the great projects uh, recently we launched juice and juice was one of the projects one of the missions that has been uh, part of a cdf study before so this is really the place where the nursery if you will for for many projects mm -hmm. and do the people work together then on a single task or is it more like a co-working space and everyone works on its, its own tasks yeah. and then from time to time i can can ask a question to a colleague and so on and Things like that. Not, not really, not really like this. I mean, you can have splinter meetings. You can separate and work on a topic for a while, separate from the others. You can do some stuff. But what it really is is a guided way of working. So we have the orchestrator, the system engineer, and we have a plan where we follow the different disciplines. They do mm -hmm. some preparation. They do some inputs already before each of the sessions. So usually we have a set of of sessions taking place over a period of, of several weeks. And then the orchestrator goes through everything with all the special departments, with all the experts, where we all participate. We all learn from that. We get the inputs directly from the experts, and that might have an impact on the way I'm doing my work. So we talk about mass budgets, power budgets. We talk about structural things. How can we realize a mission? But we all participate. It's not like co-working. Everyone has a laptop, mm. lives in his <laughs> or her own universe, and then, you know, uh, it's really... It's really music. It's really an orchestra playing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, different question. Um, Tim already mentioned our podcast with Chris Delp, where we talked about OpenMBE, which is yeah kind of a platform where you can manage models cooperatively. Um, is it also relevant for ESA? Do you have something similar, something else? Uh, do you do it with a commit tool that you mentioned? Yeah, surely it's really relevant. I mean, not OpenMBE 
MBE as such, but the idea is the community idea behind OpenMBE, the way it uses models with an authoritative source and, and the model manager and, and things like that. Uh, these are all important topics to us as well. Um, we use our own uh, method of dealing with that topic. We have some research activities dealing with that topic because the basic principles and the challenges that are approached or tackled by OpenMBE are also valid for the European space community. So it is very valid to us. Uh, we, I don't know um, if we are using it inside ESA, I think not too much, um, but correct me if I'm wrong, uh, dear colleagues. Mm -hmm. But so we are working towards similar solutions um, and doing the same thing because it's uh, a universal need, I think, for the space community. Mm -hmm. And the, the tool you mentioned before, Comet, um, is Comet, this yeah. uh, also kind of an MBSE tool or is it something different? Yeah, it is an MBSE tool that is applied in the very early stages of uh, a mission or project. So we call that pre-phase A or, or phase A studies. So we have different phases um, within a mission or in the development cycle of a mission. And so we use it for feasibility studies. So it's, it's a tool that is tailored to that use case. So meaning we come together, we talk about the different components of our space system, starting with uh, decompositions, talking about properties, mass properties. We talk about uh, possible launch windows. We're talking about how can we integrate several aspects of the overall system to fit it into a launcher and things like this. So the tool really is tailored to that usage. It's more of a parametric tool if you want. So it mm -hmm. consists of many parameters, the possibility to have um, design options, variants, and so on. It's not based on system L, um, but it is, as I said, tailored to that usage. And from then on, we, we use many different other tools uh, in later design stages, uh, like system L tools or other tools. Okay. Reminds me from, from your uh, description, it reminds me of another tool from originally the space domain. Uh, Valley space uh, from yeah, Luis same and thing. Marco. Uh, yeah. Well, not same thing. Sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, but this tool is also good for for using in in very early design stages. So that's also a tool that you can use. It's still, it's it's not SysML, but it's still MBSE, just a different way of of dealing with parameters mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the values you need for your early project stages. So yeah, Valley space is also used here. Another tool. It's not the set of tools we use like OpenMBE. So OpenMBE within that community is really where can we have a single source of truth? So a model storage, a model manager, how can we connect all the different tools? Um, I don't want to name specific tools, but there's lots of tools like, uh, okay, Cameo, System Modeler, Capella, um, Rhapsody, Py um, Papyrus, whatever. There's different tools mm -hmm. that allow you to work with SysML. Mm -hmm. So, the platform we are currently researching is a thing like OpenMBE, bringing together the, all those sources uh, of information also from different domains, generating documents, uh, reading uh, documents and putting them onto the database. Maybe if you need some external information that is also part of your engineering world. So basically pretty much like OpenMBE, mm -hmm. but different. <laughs> <laughs> I found a question about the, the concurrent design facility. Is it special for ESA or is it also used in, in other space agencies or in other domains outside of space? 
it's not it's not a specific thing only for ESA. So uh, concurrent design facility and also the term is pretty much known in the space and also sometimes the aerospace industry. Many different mm -hmm. nations use similar approaches, maybe with different names, but it's the same principle. Many national mm -hmm. agencies use it, and many different companies use it. So it's uh, it's pretty much a thing in the space sector. Uh, but you find other sectors like the ship ship industry that uses things like uh, concurrent design facility. Automotive sector doesn't call it concurrent design facility, but you have similar mechanisms and similar ways of working. Yeah, as you said, mm -hmm. co-locate people doing that controlled chaos, do some brainstorming, feasibility studies. Uh, I think it's not limited to space, although it might be called differently in other domains. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we have nearly half an hour full, but a last question from my side for all these mm. listeners who want to learn more about space missions and MBSE. And, and you already mentioned ESA is also publicly funded, so you're uh, publishing many things. Can you give us some resources or, or recommendations and we can link them in the show notes uh, for people to look them up, what, what they can look up? Yeah, so you can always check out ESA's websites. We have lots of information also online. You can connect to us uh, within the working groups if you're already working in the space industry uh, for, for some industrial partners or for some research institutions. Uh, you can meet us at conferences. You can come to our conferences and workshops. We are always happy to, to see other people and participate in, in, in work together. Uh, we have an educational program. So there's an ESA Academy where you can, as a student, apply for different kinds of things like the concurrent design facility. We offer trainings for students to participate in a real environment to experience how it is working in a concurrent design facility. Um, there's uh, lots of papers you can find online. Um, you can contact us directly if you want um, uh, get into exchange. And, and also in, within the organizations, if you want to get some more knowledge on MBC in general, of course, INCOSI, OMG are good resources. When it comes to space, it's really the conferences, the papers, the workshops we are doing. So this mm -hmm. is how we connect with the public and also our research work with universities, with institutions, with national space agencies. So there's lots of potential to get into contact and get some resources from ESA. Cool. And if someone of our listeners is interested in joining M uh, ESA, please, so what is please, what is the required please. skill set? <laughs> please do. I mean, I'm I'm a computer engineer myself, so I never studied space mm -hmm. system engineering in a classical way. And sometimes, if we are at conferences or we also go to uh, some more exotic places like the games convention or maybe some Star Trek conventions, you can find us in all kinds of settings. <laughs> But sometimes people approach us and then they say, "Oh." I really would like to work in the space industry or maybe for ESA, but I'm studying this and that, and surely you need to study physics or space systems engineering. That's not the case. We are such a multicolored universe. There's place for everyone, I mean, computer scientists, lawyers even, um, you, you name it. Uh, so you can, you can study lots of things and help ESA grow and, and get better and we we are expanding so you're welcome to check out our online resources for recruiting approaches uh, at the conferences so there's not really 
the golden path that I say you need to follow to get into the space, get into ESA, because it's mm -hmm. as diverse as you are. We need your skills, we need your creativity, uh, we need your external view, so it can be anything. And please do some more MBSE. Come to us and, and tell us what you know about MBSE. Enrich our universe of MBSE. Uh, this is really all I can say. So there's lots of opportunities. So, but thank you. you can live your Star Trek dreams and so on. Yeah, uh, you can. Uh, <laughs> we have an open day uh, this year. It's an open day. So if you come to ESTEC, always at the end of the year, we have an open day where you can come and, and see what we are doing, check out our test facilities, get a guided tour. And this year's theme is uh, science fiction meets reality. So you might see me dressed up as a, I don't know, it could be ridiculous, <laughs> so I won't tell you. But you can live your science fiction fantasy uh, and, and still do some real work. Uh, you're looking like a Vulcan guy uh, to me. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I always want to be Captain Picard, but uh, that's uh, a bit too much, I guess. Yeah, well, do that. Okay. So, well, the time is almost over. So I think we should come to an end of another exciting episode. And um, yeah, so thank you, Niels, for joining us. Uh, it was really interesting. Um, and well, let's, uh, we probably will do more episodes about space systems engineering. It's a broad topic. Uh, so, but our next topic, well, our next topic is not set yet. Uh, we thought about cybersecurity, but um, well, we have no, not our guest, our wished guest, and uh, no fixed date yet. Um, so stay tuned. We will publish it on social media when we know our next topic and the next date. And well, then finally, do not forget. Come to the ESA Open Days on October 7th and 8th. And trust us, we are systems engineers. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.